Hello and welcome to Product Momentum, where we hope to entertain, educate, and celebrate the amazing product people who are helping to shape your community's way ahead. My name is Paul Gable, and I'm the Director of Product Innovation at ITX. Along with my co-host, Sean Flaherty, and our amazing production team and occasional guest host, we record and release a conversation with a product thought leader, writer, speaker, or maker who has something to share with the community every two weeks. Hey, Sean, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's going really good. I'm super excited about this interview that we just did with Quincy. Yeah, Quincy Olatunde, VP of Data Products at Peacock. This guy's got a big job. He had a good stage presence, and we had the chance to interview him afterwards. And really, just great insights. He had such a broad experience base across so many different types of products. Right, and very passionate about product itself, which is awesome for a guy who's like really data first. Yeah, gave us some key insights about like empathy and how empathy shouldn't just be applied to the users of the product, but it should also be applied to the team and the developers. And pretty cool. Yeah, it was a pretty cool interview. That was great. Yeah, let's get after it. Let's do it. All right, welcome to the Product Momentum Podcast, coming at you live from Pendemonium 2023 here in Raleigh. Big thanks to our friends from Pendo for inviting us out to the conference so we, we can meet awesome people like Quincy Olatunde, who's VP of Data Products, Direct-to-Consumer at Peacock. Quincy is a product management executive with a passion for human-centric solutions, which we love. Backed by the power of data, so we're excited to mix it up with you on that front. He's got an industry, agnost industry agnostic background, which is really cool. It was cool to learn about that today. We'll talk a little bit into that. And he's mastered the art of crafting products that resonate deeply with consumers across a range of industries and scenarios. And for him, it's not just about features and functionality. It's about the emotional connection mm -hmm. between users and their products. Mm, right up our That's alley. right where it's at. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm Kyle Pasetti, VP of Marketing at ITX. I'm here with Sean Flaherty, EVP of Innovation from ITX. And we're psyched to be here and psyched to meet you, Quincy. So thanks for being here with us, man. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to always sit, you know. Well, now I'm kind of sandwiched between two smart people, but it's always a pleasure to always uh, be uh, in the industry and uh, be able to talk shop with people, so yeah. Yeah, awesome. And the podcast is all about serving the product community, so it's, it's exciting to get to pick your brain a little bit. Yep. All right, let's do it. So, well, one thing that's uh, really, I thought was really interesting in your talk today, you talked a little bit about this three-legged stool, which is all about the interface, the platform, and the data. Yeah. And I, I don't know that every product person thinks about those three things as the core of their product. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about that sort of methodology or belief system that you work from? Yeah, well, I kind of got to that after many years on the side, right? So when you think about products, a lot of times we, we often are referring to things that we can touch, feel, interact with, right? But really, honestly, that's the interface of it, of, yeah. of, of the product. That is the engaging piece of the product, which is a very important aspect to it, right? But that in of itself does not constitute the whole product, yeah. right? So you've got the interface, you've got an interaction piece, the user experience, how you discover it, how you move things around. That's all great, and that's essential. However, there's a whole platform that holds it up, you know? A whole platform that you know, stands up that information, where data is stored, right? When you move from page to page, right? What do we serve you? What don't we serve you, right? There is a whole platform behind it, and I call it almost like the transportation layer. It goes beyond that, but that is the platform that actually holds the whole system and the whole product up. And then the actual 
So call it the highway, call it the motorway, whatever that is. And then there's actually the data, which I call the blood, the lifeblood of the product itself. So you bring product to life, that's great, all well and good. However, what's the point of having a product, right? It's to probably help solve a problem, help address an issue, right? People are going to interact with it. But then again, it's like, you want to be able to grow that product, you want to be able to scale it. How do you do that without understanding what people are actually doing on it? What is the behavior? How do I know what you like versus what you like? What you could be interested in that we've not even discovered yet and versus what I or you could be interested in. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like so, so the data is quite important. The collection of that, how we land that and what we use it for in an ethical way is quite important. So there's a three legs to that stool. It's like when you stand up a stool and you put, well, you can have a monopod, but that'd be interesting to be able to stand it up. <laughs> but, you know, or you can have two legs, but then it kind of falls apart. But then the, three, the third leg of that, that data piece, is what determines how that product is going to grow, is going to scale, is going to be measured. How do you know you've been successful with it, mm -hmm. right? And then beyond that is like how long does that product exist for if you're not able to do that? And you need those three legs to that stool for you to be able to, somebody to be able to sit on it comfortably, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Wow. You're a good storyteller, sir. <laughs> I love the analogy. You've got the blood and the, the highway, the data highway. Excellent. What struck me in your talk was the number of companies that you've worked, you've had a long, <laughs> successful, productive career in product. Yeah. And the, the variety of companies that you work for, from Peacock to WebMD to, and you know, all in the data space. Yeah. And one of the key insights I got from, and it comes out of the little nuggets of language that you throw out there, I'm listening to the little details. Okay. You, you talked about data informed versus data driven, and when you, when you mentioned it, it sort, sort of struck a chord for you. Okay. So. <laughs> You know, having that breadth of experience, I'd like to hear about those. I think our, our audience would like to hear about those thoughts, like the distinction between data-driven yeah. and data-informed. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a slight distinction there, and, and there's a nuance there. You see, we like to talk about, you know, of course, whenever buzzwords come, now it's Gen AI and AI and <laughs> right. all that stuff. But There's a few of them in our industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whenever the buzzwords come, right, what you typically get is, oh yeah, we're data-driven. And one of the biggest buzzwords in the world, like, oh yeah, we're data-driven, we're doing this, we're doing that. But being data-driven means that everything you do has to be tied to data, right? You cannot move an inch without data. And there's some industry, like the one I'm currently in now, the media world, where it's part art, part science. I think they're all like that. Right? So I'm they're in, all I'm like that. I'm in your camp. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's part art and, and science, like some people have been doing this stuff for like 30 years, they're great at what they do. You know, I couldn't tell you, you know, hey, Fast and the Furious or, you know, name whatever show you want to name, The Blacklist or whatever have you, what's going to be successful, what's not going to be successful. But these guys are really great at what they do, right? That's the art piece. Mm -hmm. So when I'm coming and saying, well, the data says this, there's some times that, yes, the data might say that, but then the affinity group might grow and that might become a successful show, right? right? Shawshank Redemption, I recall, bombed at the box office, but later on became the highest selling all hit, yeah. of all time, right? Again, like- because it was written by Stephen King. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Oh, well, well, I mean- Favorite author. Well, Stephen King wrote it <laughs> when he went to the box office and he was still the writer when I checked when he came out of the box office, right? Right, right. So, so, so it's not just only that, right? So you've got to understand the industry that you're in. So 
in, in being able to, and part of our work and a part of our job as a product person or leader or manager, whatever you want to call it, is to influence people, right? And to lead by influencing. Because half, half of the time you don't have the authority because mm. you're working across uh, marketing, you're working with advertising, you're working across sales, you're working yeah. across everyone that you need to bring in together to make that product successful or that business successful or that service successful, yeah. right? So you've got to understand the businesses you live in. So everything cannot be data driven. However, I believe that everything can be data informed, right? And this is where the science comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. It's okay. We want to go in this direction. We think we've got a handle on this. We've got people who are smart, smarter than me, who do consumer research. That's the qualitative side of things, right? And say, okay, this is the direction we're going. Now, do we have data that can help us back that up? That can inform us in saying, okay, directionally, I think we might be going in the right direction, but let's be cautious here. There might be potholes here, but watch out for it, right? So again, I've gone away from having everything just be data driven versus being data informed. And when you phrase conversations that way, little nuggets like that gets you one win, win people over. Right. And you need to be in your court and to be in your, in your, yeah. in your area to help really push that along. Yeah, I, right, I think so. real complicated decisions in any business require a conversation. Correct. And data, I think, if you're, if you're having conversations that are not data informed, you're in trouble. But at the same time, if the only thing you're using to make decisions is data, you're mm -hmm. also in trouble. Yeah. You know, George Box is one of my heroes. He's a, he got a PhD in statistics from London University. Okay. And his, he's famous for a quote. He wrote several papers on like Bayesian inference and time series analysis. And the quote he's famous for is that all models are wrong. Some models are useful. Yes. Oh, I like that. I'm going to you know, go look and, for it. Right. When, you said that, that when you said that on the stage, that was the, that was the trigger for me. Like, mm. oh, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, you can't just rely on data. You have to rely on data, but it's not, it's, it's not sufficient to make really great decisions. Yeah. So. I, I would say it this way. Don't let data be the limitation of your imagination. I love it. Nice. Great way to put it. Right? Because if you're just only thinking about being data driven, there is only so much that you can grow. There is that aspect of belief. There is that, that je ne sais quoi, that thing that's just like in the pit of your stomach that you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I have such a huge conviction here. Yeah. You yeah. know that you should not turn off. Yeah. Right. So I think <clears throat> data is always form, it's always looking in the past. Data always shows you what happened in the past. Shows you in the past, right? But there you can also have <clears throat> you know like. Predictive modeling and stuff like that. Look sure. at this is where we can go. Like, okay, we know what happened. You know why it happened. Where the, you know quantitative plus qualitative. Quantitative is what happened. Qualitative, why it happened. Understand it through consumer research, and then you can understand what next mm. action we need to take. Right. So, so for me, that's how I look at it. Like, for you to scale, there's a certain level of belief, right, that right. you need to have. Right. So you can only grow so much, but when you mix belief with being data informed, this is where you start to see that hockey puck yeah. growth. Right. So, yeah. Which ties into my next question. All right. Let's hear it. It's about, so another <laughs> awesome phrase that you had up there, and I don't remember who you said you heard it from, but, you know, wake up stupid every day, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, reminds me of the Zen, you know, philosophy around the child's mind. Right. Yes. Like, I think this is a critical lesson for all product leaders is to just be curious, mm -hmm. like as a first principle, so yes. to speak, like right. curiosity. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. I wish I could take credit for that saying of a good friend of mine, Evan Shapiro, who calls himself 
the media industry cartographer, I would hanging out together one time and, and one of his talks was like, you know, waking up stupid every day. And I've never heard anybody else phrase it that way. I don't know where he got it from, if he made it it's up, good, or though. he got it from somewhere else. So I will give credit to the person who introduced me to that phrase, right? So, but by and large, what it means is like, come in with childlike curiosity. Mm. You know, like, I've got a seven and eight year old and, and they <laughs> ask tons of awesome. questions. Yeah, it's awesome. Like a thousand questions a minute. Like, you know, and, and, and as frustrating as it sometimes might be, mm. right? It's very, they teach me stuff every day. Like when I want to get frustrated, yeah, but, but why are we doing that? Well, because I said so, but, but no, that's not good enough. Cause, because that's what my parents told me. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, it's, it's that childlike curiosity that makes you be able to, you know, win people over. Yeah. Right. Because you are curious, you are building a relationship with your stakeholders, you're building a relationship with your audience, your your users. And I don't like to call them audiences and users. I like to call them a community, right? It's an extension mm -hmm. of what we do and the value we're creating, whatever that is, regardless of whatever industry you're in. You're in the business of creating value for people, right? So it's a community of an extension. If you don't believe in the value you, you're, you're giving out, you yourself should be able to eat your own dog food if you're in the business of making dog food, right? <laughs> so, so that means that you need to be able to, you know, appreciate the value that you're given because you think it's something somebody else should test or 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 or, or eat or, or yeah, you've got to have that belief in it. So, the way you're able to do that is if people feel like you understand their plights, their problems, their challenges, right, their issues, and the way you do that is to sit down and say, hey, oftentimes we as leaders will come into this new position, we inherit teams, right. And you can't come in like, hey, I know what to do, right? right? You know, you open up yourself and to say, okay, teach me what I don't know. Mm -hmm. I want to understand what it is I don't know, right? And then you can come up with some experiences and some things, just let, let's try it out, right? And oftentimes I'm big, I follow Simon Sinek, sure. right? You know, I always start with why, yeah. right? And he says something and not every leader is like this. So it's like, it's just my own thing. So I'm just going to speak to it. A lot of times you have leaders come in into a meeting and say, oh, <clears throat> yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And you go like, and they go, so questions, feedback. I want to, I want to get information. I want to, <laughs> by that time, you've already made up right. your mind, right? Like Shut everybody's like, you know what? Why are we in this room Why here? am I in this conversation? In this conversation right? So everybody's timid to even like have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or half of the time, you know, it's like you create this insider outsider dynamics whereby you select only a few that you're telling a lot of information and you go to the meeting and you start discussing these things and most of the people have no idea of what's yeah. going on. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, so again, like, you know, I say all those things to say, being able to be curious, being able to be wrong and being able to say, teach me what I don't know, wins over people who you're going to need to help you make the product successful, mm. right? So, and I, you know, again, Evan says it so nicely, you've got to wake up stupid every day. Do you think you knew? You don't know. It's a new day with my daughter every day. It's a new day with my son every day, you know, and that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. How do you, Brilliant. when you think about this idea of being data informed and bringing curiosity to your job every day, mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you help create an environment that's safe for you, not just for your department, but for the organization as a whole, as mm -hmm. the data guy, right? Yep, yep. 
to ask questions you don't already have an answer to, right? It often feels safest to ask a question, but in, ca in case it gets reflected back at me, like I have an opinion, you know? How do, I, how do you create that space for people to not just wake up childlike, but to show up that way? Well, I mean, I think not just, okay, so I mean, currently right now, I'm, I'm across dates, I'm across a great deal of stuff, but my experience is across product management, you know, yeah. done, done it across, across the board. So, you know, I've seen it in all directions, but how you create that is to make sure that everyone understand what the objectives are, hmm. right? Goals and guardrails. Goals and guardrails, the vision, the objective, where we're trying to go with And this, why. And why we're trying to get there. Yeah. Right. So when you're getting your data in and your, you know, data in itself has to be contextualized, right? And data by itself doesn't really give you that. So you've got to analyze it, right? You've got to build models to really understand the insights and all these different things, right? Is what you do with it, which is why data quality is quite important. But this is a product we're trying to grow. Data is just the blood, right? That's pumping through it, mm. right? So I understand what I'm trying to do with the product. I understand the value it brings to my consumer. Right? And I understand we want to grow with our consumer. Right? So that's those objectives. So when you're getting the information and you're thinking, well, we were going to zig, but it's kind of zagged, let's understand why we're zagging. Not just only from the perspective of qualitatively, I mean, quantitatively, but also qualitatively. Right? So you do your consumer research is still very important. You can understand the what, but the whys, right? You can have socioeconomic factors that just like happened and nobody even knew was going to go on. Mm. Do you understand? And that's affecting maybe your subscription, maybe your engagement rates, right? You don't know what that, what, what that is, what your competitors are doing, right? So it's really just understanding, okay, where's the objective, where we're trying to go, and framing your question from that perspective and making sure that you have it open up to say like, there's, honestly, there's really no stupid question. And just making sure you create a safe space that everybody gets heard and you guys can discuss it, right? Once you, you know, once you have such an established culture, I have people on my team all the time who just started two years ago or living out of college, and I'm coming up with an idea, I'm doing something, and I've thought about it so beyond what I should have. And the person just wheels me back in, but, but what about this? It's like, I wouldn't do it like that. I wouldn't think about, oh, okay. Why would you do it like that? Educate me. Yeah. You know, like, well, you know, if you're trying to speak to Gen Triple A's, mm -hmm. you know, like, this is what, they, like, all of that stuff. I'm not a Gen Triple A. I'm not, I don't even know what's coming after that. Learning. Well, I, exactly. So, so it's like really just making sure that you are open to learning and the way that you reciprocate and your feedback creates a safe space for them to exist in, to make those, I wouldn't say mistake, but to make those statements or questions or whatever and you and you're receptive to it yeah all right to be open so shifting gears a little bit you established three sort of principles mm -hmm. for great product development mm -hmm. one of them was empathic product design and development the other yeah. one was two number two was good data strategy yep and practice and then the third one was balancing innovation with ethics and compliance yes so Again, like I said at the beginning, carefully like dissecting your words, <laughs> I found, you know, I think empathic, understanding empathic product design, that's mm -hmm. pretty much well built into our industry now, but yeah. you added the word and development. Yes. And I'm curious about that. So why did you add the word and development? And what does that mean? What does empathic development mean? Yeah, so, uh, you know, empathy, right? Empathetic design, development. Yes, you know about, you know, design thinking process and whatever have you. What that means is, I mean, it's like two sides of the same coin. 
you know, you need to understand the problem you're trying to solve for that user, understand their pressure points, their plight, their issues, their, you know, all of that. And of course, you need to be able to document those things succinctly, but also detailed enough that you are able to communicate it to your developers, mm. right? And making sure that developers understand the problem you're trying to solve. See, that's what I thought you meant. Like, yeah. not only do you have to be empathic for your users, mm -hmm. you also need to be empathic for the people working on the product. For the people working on the product. And, and know, also, think... sorry, Kacha, but also making sure that they keep their eyes on the prize. Because mm. oftentimes, again, I was a developer a long time ago, we just want to build stuff. Yeah. Why? But why? <laughs> so they know the why. I love it. Do you understand what I mean? Like, so they know the why, they know the pressure points we're trying to address. So when they're developing, they have that at the back of their mind. Why? Make it simple enough, make it you know easy enough for people to be able to experience it, stress-free, and address their issues, right? It's not just like, oh, well, we've developed this stuff, you get this offer from developers. Oh, well, they just don't know how to use the system. Nah, they're in denial. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's like, yeah. uh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, if I could summarize, because we're coming close to the end of our time here together, I captured a couple of key nuggets. I know, it's sad, right? Sad. <laughs> Some of the nuggets are, number one is, I loved your quote, by the way, don't let data be the limitation of your imagination. So I'm gonna summarize that whole first part of our conversation around that quote. Mm -hmm. um, number two, it's subtle but powerful. It's subtle but powerful, what you said about the child's mind. Like, wake up stupid every day. Yes. Mm -hmm. So maintaining that sense of curiosity at all times as a product yeah. leader, critical. Number three, that the way you respond is what really establishes psychological safety in, in yes. the environment. So like, when you get feedback, how you respond to that is yes. what establishes that space yeah. that you were asking about, Kyle. And then well number said. four, empathic product design is not just about the users, it's also making sure you have empathy for the people building the products, making sure they understand why. Yes. Making sure that you're listening to their needs as well as a leader. So. Yes, and they have empathy for the users. The, the user all the way down. So it's a cycle. It's a... And the eye, would you, would you call it the eye on the prize? Like Keeping your eye yeah. on the prize, yes. Awesome. I couldn't summarize it any better. And, right. and that's why you... It's pretty good. You make the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> good work, sir. All right, a couple of last questions. How do you define innovation? What does innovation mean to you? Innovation to me is finding easier ways of delivering value to a user in a more efficient way, in a more straightforward way, and more succinct way. Right. That's what innovation is for me. Uh, one thing we always asked our guests at the end, mm -hmm. is there anything you're reading, anything you're learning about right now that you would recommend to the audience? Oh, what, what, what I'm reading and learning probably has nothing to do with nothing. That's okay. That's all <laughs> right. nothing to do with- Let it rip. With, with products. Well, I would say, well, hmm. When I say it has nothing to do with products, I'm reading a book called The YouTube Formula. The YouTube Formula, what's it about? Understanding how YouTube came to be, understanding- The band? You know, the art and YouTube. YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Sorry. It sounds Formula. very applicable to the product. Absolutely. Yeah, it, does, it does, right? Yeah. All the different- An origin story. Yes. Algorithms, yeah. right? All the different models they have for all the different areas yeah. that you don't even think about from mm. spotlight to whatever. It's just really just- That's a again, great recommendation. It's really, mm. just, yeah, awesome. it's really just written by this person called Daryl Eves. 
and and it's just you know just just really getting into that into that space again just looking at what other people are doing in the space and just you know how they think or how they may move and stuff like that so that's that's one that i'm reading heavily right now and also i'm reading i think great boys who changed the world to my to my son oh yeah so so that's that's part of the bit well thank you for joining us quincy it was an awesome conversation quincy awesome to have you man really appreciate you being on we're live at pandemonium Big thanks to our friends at Pendo, Mm -hmm. and thanks to Quincy for being on. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. In line with our goals of transparency and listening, we really want to hear from you. Sean and I are committed to reading every piece of feedback that we get, so please leave a comment or a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. Not only does it help us continue to improve, but it also helps the show climb up the rankings so that we can help other listeners move, touch, and inspire the world just like you're doing. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next episode.